Hi, y'all. It's Angela, and I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled. And today I am chatting with business financing. Now, don't check out, guys, because you need to know this stuff. And credit expert Jerry Detweiler about the different financing options that are actually available to business owners and the importance of building business credit. Now, I know back when I started my business, uh, I didn't think of any of this stuff. <laughs> so it's really, really important because when you start out, especially if you're in the creative industry and you're passionate about something, you can like blink your eyes and you're like, oh my gosh, 20 years has gone by and you go to like buy a building or you go to invest in things and you learn that you have no freaking credit under your business that you have run for 20 years. And so Jerry has that experience, two decades of guiding people like us through, in this kind of confusing world of credit. And there's so many scams out there, like I've been scammed before. And she's also the author and co-author of five, not one, not two, not three, not four, but five different books. And her most recent book is Finance Your Own Business, Get on the Financing Fast Track, which I know for some of us who might have large overhead, it's hard to even begin to think about how do you finance your own business. And then some of us have really low overhead and it's like, oh, I don't need a lot to operate, but you're missing a lot of like write-offs. And so Jerry and I are going to talk about that today from an educational perspective and she is, she she serves as an educator just like I do, um, director of NAV, which is an online platform that matches small business owners to their best financing options, and it really gives a free access to personal and business credit scores. So there's going to be a ton of nuggets for you guys to tune in today. So Jerry, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you so much, Angela. And I do not like math either. So please uh, do not think that I am a finance nerd. <laughs> I love what I do, but yeah, I checked out on the checked out at algebra too. That I was done. <laughs> so, how did you even get into the whole world of credit and financing? Like, for somebody who like doesn't like math, like how did you become this expert? Like where did it all begin? I truly fell into it. I was living and working in DC, Washington DC after college and a job. Um, I was working for a, a company that turned out to be shady and I left there. And then a friend had a job at this consumer advocacy group. And I, I ended up taking a job there, not really knowing what it would entail. And it was just the right place at the right time kind of thing. You know, that happens sometimes. And it was when they were working on legislation to tell consumers up front how much your credit card costs. Because in the old days, you'd get the credit card, then you'd find out the interest rate. They were working on the uh, legislation to give consumers free credit reports for the first time and make sure that you could actually read them. So what's interesting to me right now, being where I am at, Angela, working with small business owners, is that it's almost like we've gone through a time warp. And the reason I say that is that business owners are not protected by all the legislation that consumers are. So we don't, we aren't entitled to free copies of our business credit reports. We aren't entitled to know the interest rate of a small business loan before we get one. And I will tell you, many of these lenders are very creative in the way they describe, you know, the costs of these loans. And so I'm getting to, um, to do this in a way that I think is really important because 
I know you know from your from your experience in small business, most business owners are not finance experts, no. right? <laughs> no. So they are very vulnerable to whatever's fast and easy, which in many cases could also be very expensive and could even result in them going out of business. So I love yep. being able to help them ward off these, these issues. Yep. I see it every day, like how some of these, and really it's, it happens more in people. Most of our clients that we run in, I mean, they're over 50 years old. They've had a business for a long time, super established in the community. And then I just start asking business questions and it's like, they don't know what they don't know. When I was in my twenties, I didn't know all this. It's just, I happened to surround myself with the people who could teach me these things. Sure. And then some people they're like, oh my God, I feel so stupid. And I'm like, no, I'm not trying to make you feel that way. You just didn't know. And you never knew to ask the question. You were just doing what seemed easy. You were trusting people, which people are super shady, super shady in the credit industry. I've learned and I've even gotten myself into messes. I mean, because I just wanted it to be easy, mainly like, let's talk about your name being your business and it not being separated and someone stealing your identity. And guys don't use the same password for everything. Okay. So that was like my first real, as a business owner, like, oh my gosh, what do you mean my credit's ruined because someone stole my identity? Like, how does that even happen? And like, you don't know to be aware of these things until something kind of bad happens. Um, but before we even go down that route, you really, do you focus on teaching and helping small business owners understanding what is capital, how to access capital, how to raise capital? And for people like brand new people who don't even know what that means, because I'm like the capital of what? Like, this is how, you know, they say stupid I was, but I didn't grow up with entrepreneur parents. I, I didn't know any different. So can you talk to us a little bit about how to access capital and what does that really mean? Welcome to Business Unveiled, the podcast designed to help you thrive in the creative community. Here's your host, events and productivity consultant, Angela Profit. What's up, GST leaders? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Business Unveiled, where we share expert tips and secrets from top creative industry professionals. You know we're going to take you behind the scenes of our experiences, share with you what we've learned from them, and how it's made us stronger. Because no one said it's easy owning a business, right? But it's a lot more fun when you've got a strong support team around you. And that's exactly what we do at GSD Creative. We're right there by your side. And I'm so excited that you've chosen this podcast to take the first step in growing a productive, profitable, and successful, wildly successful business within the hospitality and creative industry. Today's podcast is being brought to you by one of my favorite platforms, Kajabi. So stop trading your time for money. Kajabi provides digital entrepreneurs an all-in-one platform which enables you to create a life of freedom on your terms, whatever that may be. Everything is housed under 
one platform. So there's really no need for multiple services. Kajabi really has all of the tools that you need in one place if you're looking for a home to share your knowledge and build online courses. You have a community of like-minded people with proven success in selling knowledge online and the support with Kajabi is amazing. Give it a try today. bit.ly slash APKajabi. Yes, so small business financing is very confusing. There are a lot of different lenders out there. And for the most part, if you have a well-established business, great credit, you've been in business for a couple of years, you have great revenues, then you may be in a great position to go get a traditional bank or credit union loan. And if you can, you should, because those will be the, the best types of loans available. But we know from data from the Federal Reserve that a lot of banks have been pulling back on small business lending, and they've also been focused on higher dollar volume uh, small business lending. So for you, you may think, hey, $200,000, that's a lot. It's enough to sort of, you know, make my stomach roll. But for a bank, that may be too small because it's not profitable for them to make a loan of, say, under a million dollars. And so, um, so that's where business owners often end up looking at other types of financing. They may get online offers. They may get offers from PayPal and Amazon and other, you know, other companies saying quick, easy loans. And sometimes that's the right decision. But often business owners don't know what their options are. And so they're ending up with whatever's fastest and easiest versus what is the best for the business. So what I try to do is to help you understand the landscape, see where you fit in, and then figure out what the best financing options are for you. And then also what you can do to qualify for those better financing options down the line. So for those of you listening who like me, when I graduated college and I got this coupon book and I'm like, what do you mean? I have all these. <laughs> all these loans, Sally Mae loans. And I'm like calling my dad. I'm like, wait, what did I sign? Like you signed me up for these loans. Like I would just sign it because my dad told me to. Like I didn't understand that not only did I have, you know, 40000 ish dollars to pay back. And they're like, oh, you can pay back in 30 years. But I'm like, wait, what? That just seems really crazy. I mean, I came from a Dave Ramsey family that was like, you pay for things as you go. Like you don't live beyond your means. And then as Americans, we treat education very differently. And then some business owners who fall into starting a business or owning a business, like they don't understand it either. But at a younger age, I'm think I'm kind of thankful, I guess, that my parents were like, yeah, you have to pay that back. And you, you pay interest. And I'm like, I didn't understand. Like, I didn't know what an interest rate was. I didn't know to, to renegotiate. And again, like student loans are treated differently. Um, I didn't know the different types of loans. And all I knew is I wanted to pay those loans off. I was not going to pay it for 10 years, 20 or 30. And I think I worked like three jobs to like pay it off in three years because I was, I didn't want that hanging over my head. And so as business owners, like, can you share with us what are the different types of options that people may not understand, like long-term? I mean, it's, I guess I think sure. of it as like a mortgage, you know, like, should I do 15 years, do 30 years? Like, 
How do the banks even look at that now? <laughs> yeah. Well, let me let me touch on one thing you just mentioned, which was your, you said you came from a Dave Ramsey family. So yep. credit, credit and credit cards are bad. Um, but I want to point out one thing that's really important. So even if you're listening, you're thinking, I am not going to take on any financing. I'm going to bootstrap my business. Uh, we'll talk about other options in a moment. But make sure you're using the right car- pieces of plastic in your business because business debit cards... Business debit cards are the only type of plastic that is not covered by federal law if they're fraudulently used. So if you think about it, and you were a victim of identity theft, it sounds like, you think about it, the the money, if someone gets a hold of your business debit card, the money's out of your account, right? They've drained your account. Now you have to go to your financial institution, try to get them to put the money back in. And to be fair, most of them are going to try to work with you to get it reimbursed, but there's no time frame. There's no, there's no saying they have to do that within you know, 48 hours or 14 days, like they have to with consumer. And so you've got bills to pay. And now suddenly this money's out of your account. And so one thing, simple thing you can do, think about is using a business credit card in your business instead of a business debit card. And if you're nervous about debt, you can do like, uh, I was just on a podcast with Travis Huff and he goes in and pays his credit card off daily because he doesn't want to run up debts. (laughs) He makes a purchase, he goes in and he pays it off. But you can do that, but you can use it like a debit card and pay it off in full. But then you have the protection of federal law because business credit cards are protected in the case of fraudulent use. So that's just one simple shift. Now, there's another benefit that could come along with using that business credit card, and that is that many of them don't report to your personal credit unless you default. Not all of them. Some of them report to both the owner's personal credit reports as well as their business credit reports. If, it's, if, you, if you're using a credit card that shows up on your personal credit, then if you have a month where you have to lay out a lot of expenses before you get reimbursed for them, or maybe you have to invest in some new equipment or something else that you're adding for your business, those high balances, if they show up on your personal credit, will bring down your credit scores because that's a big important factor. And I can tell you there was a business owner who she had some financing fall through at the last minute. She maxed out her personal credit cards, which, you know, hey, sometimes you do what you have to do, but her business was solid and she did, she was able to refinance that debt with an SBA guaranteed loan a year later and pay off those credit cards. And as a result of paying down those credit card balances that showed up on her personal credit, her personal credit scores jumped 125 points. Wow. Wow. So there's, wow. they're right there is just a strategy that even if you're not thinking of lines of credit or loans or SBA loans or whatever, you just think about using the right card in your business so that you can protect your personal credit, build some business credit, and protect yourself in the case of fraudulent use. Yeah. And guys, like I'll tell you, I mean, we've had some really crazy things happen. Like literally, I'm like, why is this happening to me? And it happens at the worst moments. I just, I haven't had identity theft just once, <laughs> not twice, but three times. And I mean, my, my, the people that I bank with my account, I mean, it was just such a mess. And if you take nothing away from this podcast, exactly what you just said, make sure you have a business credit card. Now, while I did come from like the whole Dave Ramsey family, thank God that I surrounded myself with people who taught me how to use other people's money. And that's not a bad thing (laughs) if you pay it off. Um, And, you know, again, it was for business not to go into debt, but it helped me build credit on personal as well as um, a business credit. But 
one day I just happened to need gas and I used my business credit card and $35,000 later. <laughs> Whoa. Yep. And you know, the first of every month we have so many auto bills and I mean, there's some months where our overhead might be 30,000. It might be 40, might be, 50. it depends on what events we have going on. It depends on a lot of factors. And so I started to get all these text messages from, I, I won't even say my bank name because I can't stand them, but I have so much, um, so much history tied up in that. You know, people are like, oh, why don't you just change banks? I'm like, well, it's not that easy um, for someone who's had an account for almost two decades. And, you know, you build relationships with people. It's not their fault, whatever. But y'all, it took well over two months to get my money back. And that was me being kind of like psycho stalker because I had to pay bills. Like who just has all this money sitting around because most of us don't. And so, you know, I was able to talk to a few vendors and tell them what happened. And I'm like, listen, you know, as soon as I get the money back, I'll pay you. And they knew I was good for it. Thank God. But it, it puts you in this horrible, stressful bind. Like I couldn't sleep at night. I hate owing people money. And so what you just said about using a credit card. And so I don't even carry my business debit anymore, ever. Mm. Like I don't want to even accidentally swipe it at a gas station because it, I mean, it, it just transpired into this horror. I mean, there's no telling how many hours I wasted on it. it. And it's not like you can just have your assistant help you with that stuff. Like the bank wants you in person to file all this stuff. And when you're traveling, you know, it's just a huge headache. Um, so you mentioned something about SBA loans. And so again, for people who are green, don't know, um, what are the benefits and what exactly does that mean? I mean, I know what it is, but just in case, you know, a new business owner is listening. <laughs> sure, sure. So the Small Business Administration doesn't make loans, but what it does is it guarantees loans. And so different financial institutions will offer SBA loans of various types. There's, there are, the 7A is the name of the, terrible names, they're all for the part of the, you know, the U.S. code that that describes where that program is, but they have terrible names. But yeah. the 7A is the most common and you could use it for working capital and you could even use it to refinance debt and expansion of your business, et cetera. Lots of different uses. They have a larger one that goes up to 5 million, one that goes to 350,000. So there's all these different programs out there and we can certainly, Angela, add a, um, add a link to an, a free SBA guide to the show notes if you'd like. Yeah. But the, the point to make with SBA is it's designed to help entrepreneurs who can't get similar capital elsewhere. And so it, depending on where you are in your business, you might find an SBA loan program for a microloan, which are $50,000 or less, or you might be at a place where you want to purchase a building. And there's a beautiful um, SBA program, the 504 program, that lets you uh, purchase a building with um, very little money down and the interest rate is super low and it, you can owner occupy 51%. So you could rent out the other 49% of that building and diversify your income. So it is a way to have your own space, but also potentially to invest in some commercial real estate at the same time. So there's just a variety of these different programs out there. And what I want what I want you to understand as a business owner is, you know, the, the SBA sets the minimum, the minimum requirements for each of these loans, but then each lender has their own requirements. So just because you go to your bank 
and they say, oh, no, we can't give you an SBA loan, doesn't mean necessarily that another lender can't. So that's an important thing to keep in mind. Gotcha. So I know some data that you had shared with me is just, um, it's a significant pain point, like 32 million small business businesses, that's just in the U.S., and we'll spend 30 plus hours searching for financing, like this is what the Federal Reserve says, and then the business credit data, I mean, again, it's super hard to understand, and so for you, do you, if people have questions or they need guidance, do you come in as a consultant to small businesses to help them figure out, like as a trusted expert, like can people hire you to come in and help them figure it out? Yeah, even better. So NAV is a free platform. The easiest way to think of us is we're like Credit Karma, but for small business. So we're the only place right now where you can go and get your business credit reports from all three of the major bureaus, Dun & Bradstreet, Equifax, and Experian, both have commercial divisions. So you can pull your business credit, doesn't affect your credit scores at all. You can check it on a monthly basis, great for spotting problems like identity theft and fraud and business Mm -hmm. Identity theft is a big problem. So that's just a great service to know in terms of just staying on top of your credit. But then our ultimate goal is to use that technology and the data behind it to help match you to lenders. So we don't, we, we aren't a lender, but we are a marketplace and we work with lots of different lenders, all the major small business credit card issuers, and we we show you which ones are a good fit based on your qualifications and we don't sell your name to lenders. So you won't get phone calls just because you sign up for an app account, but we're trying to use that technology. But then we do have people who will get on the phone with you. And if you're saying, Hey, I'm confused or I'm not sure what I'm seeing, or I really want to try to get this kind of financing and it's not showing up as a match for me on NAV, then we have credit lending specialists who walk our customers through that kind of thing all day long. So we have over a million business owners who use our platform and, and, we're happy to uh, happy to help any business owner who wants those insights. And it's free. It's free. That's yep. incredible. There's not many free things out there <laughs> for small business owners. Yeah. So that's amazing. Um, so like, what is the most popular type of financing for like younger businesses? So how can they navigate if, and what, what is considered in the market a younger business? Is that like under five years? For most lenders, it's going to be under two years. And so once you hit that two-year mark, it's kind of almost magical (laughs) that a lot more lenders are are, feel like you've you've survived those first two years okay you're you're likely to stick around Uh, and so when you're under two years old you do have to be a little bit more creative if you have great revenues that's going to be helpful but often you do have to look for financing that's going to rely heavily on your personal qualifications so personal guarantees um, having strong personal credit is going to be very valuable and then there could be potentially things like crowdfunding, although I don't know in the event planning business how common I would see that for that type of business. Um, And then business credit cards. And believe it or not, even your credit card at 18% is a lot cheaper than a lot of other types of financing that is out there for business owners. Because like I said, they don't tell you an APR, they don't have to tell you an interest rate. And so sometimes they'll say, well, here's our fee. 
And when you, we have a bunch of free calculators in AB, you plug it in there and you discover, oh, the interest rate is really 35% or oh 45% or even more because there's not really caps on how much it can cost. So it can be much more expensive than just say, you take a business credit card, get that 0% for 18 months and, and get some time under your belt. Yeah. And I mean, I also would love to know your thoughts on this whole like credit card fee thing, because, you know, nowadays most of our, well, we actually require our clients to put a card on file and, um, that transpired, which I laugh because I'm so that girl now who like works the credit card point system. Mm. And so when clients are like, okay, so I want, here's five different cards. I want you to put 40 on this, 50 on this, this is this <laughs> because I want points for this. And then they'll go in and just, you know, pay it off, which is great. Cause they have save for this event or this wedding or this number one party or whatever we're doing. And so it's just, it used to, I used to be like, oh my God, this is so crazy. So like our interns that come in, you know, super young, they're like, wait, what? You have different cards for different things and people just give you their card. And I'm like, oh, but now like as a more experienced life person, I'm like, oh, I do the same thing. I'm like, use our business Amex for this because then we get Amazon points and then you know, we don't really pay for flights anymore as, as long as Southwest goes there, <laughs> you right. know, so there, I feel like there are some great benefits. And again, coming from the Dave Ramsey world, um, I had to learn how to, you know, a little bit and you don't want to get behind and you do, I mean, we don't do it every day, but you know, every time we get a bill, we pay it. And you have to make sure that you also don't get, I've coached some planners, they get confused. It's like they see all this money in their bank account and then they spend it all when they owe $25,000 to vendors, you know, so you have to have discipline and then also putting money aside. Like I use a separate account for taxes and, you know, savings and IRAs are, you know, that that's a whole nother subject. Um, but so if somebody, you know, racked up debt in college, uh, shopping and spring break, and then they start a business and they want to take out a loan to, to start something. Do, does the bank, when they're trying to take out like a, a small business loan, uh, well, let's just say they made it to the new year mark, but they're so in debt from like their college days from partying and shopping. Like, is that going to affect them to be able to get a small business loan? And the reason I'm saying this y'all is because I have a niece that's about to start college and I want her to understand that the choices financially that she makes right now could affect her for the next 10 years if she wants to start a business in four years. So selfishly, like I'm asking this question, but I'm sure people are thinking it. So how does that, how, how can that affect you in a negative way? Yeah. So the, many, uh, finan many lenders, especially if it's uh, just unsecured credit. So that means it's, there's no collateral involved. It's not like your vendor who's letting you pay for things in 30 days. It's just, you're going to get a, a loan or a line of credit, right? They often do check personal credit. Now for some of these small business lenders, it's what's called a soft credit check. So it doesn't affect your credit score, but they are looking at the personal credit score of the owner. And I can tell you in the case of small business credit cards, they are checking the owner's personal credit. So that's a plus and a minus. It's a plus if you have a new business and you have no business credit, you can still get a business credit card. If you have bad personal credit, it's going to be more challenging, you know, to get a business credit card. So for someone who has a lot of personal debt, for, if it's student loan debt, as long as you're 
making the payments on time, it's fine. The credit scoring models really don't care the total amount of student loan debt. That's not really an issue. What they care is whether you are paying on time. And that's true even if you get on one of these repayment plans like income-based repayment or pay-as-you-earn where they reduce your payments based on your income from the previous year. Even if you have a lower monthly payment on one of those programs, as long as you don't miss it, you're fine. It's going to protect your credit. But where you run into trouble is when you start running up high balances on credit cards. That That's where you really see a big impact on the personal credit score. And then like the example I gave earlier, the business owner whose credit score jumped 125 points, if you are if you're trying to get traditional financing, the lender's probably going to check your personal credit and they see it's lower because of all this credit card debt, that could make it more difficult for you to get financing. So to the extent possible, I try to encourage business owners as soon as possible to use utilize financing that is separate from their personal. You might have to give a personal guarantee, but Keep it off your personal credit report if you can. And then as you build business credit, you'll have more options. So the Fed, just to, just to summarize this, the Fed says that about half of all business owners who have anywhere from one to 500 employees, about half of them use their personal credit to get financing. The other half either use just business credit or a combination of business and personal credit to get financing. So we're trying at NAV to help you build that business credit side as quickly as possible so you can move things away from you personally. Well, and just from a legal perspective too, isn't it much more on the safe side to do it under business or does that matter? No, I think it is. And that's why I'm sure you tell your audience to have that business, official business structure, right? If you're a sole proprietor, you're you just uh. there's no separation right there is no separation between you and the business if you're a sole prop so that we don't recommend that but you have that legal separation and then you start using business products and it could be as simple as just the vendor terms that you get with your suppliers and vendors where they say okay you can pay us in net 30 due in 30 days um, those vendors often check business credit not personal credit and they're just looking for red flags they're just looking to make sure you haven't you know, you don't have a lot of tax liens or, you know, late payments or collection accounts or other problems that might indicate you won't pay them on time. Um, that's a simple way uh, to start building your business credit as well as getting a business credit card. So let's talk about business credit cards a little bit more. And like from a pro and a con, like, are there any cons? Like, I, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, again, if you pay it off, but what are what are pros and cons of the different types of business cards? Sure. So the one big type with business credit, or the one big con with business credit cards is that um, a few years ago, well, this was actually signed into law 10 years ago now, um, Obama signed into law the Credit Card Act. And I don't know if you remember before this, you might have, I don't know if you experienced this, but I sure heard from a lot of people who did, where your credit card issuer could change your interest rate anytime for any yeah. reason. Uh, you, they would change the due date, and if yep. you missed the due date, they'd raise your interest rate and charge you a late fee, and it was just a mess, right? There was yep. so much shady stuff going on. So they, they passed this law, the Credit Card Act, that prevented all that stuff, but they exempted business credit cards. So business credit cards are not covered by the Card Act. Now, most of the major issuers came in and said, you know what, we're just going to apply 
most, if not the large majority of all those protections to our small business credit cards, as well as our consumer cards. But the one thing they left the right to do, and I, this is almost always across the board, is that if you miss a payment on your business credit card, almost always they'll raise the interest rate and they'll raise it on the existing balance. On your consumer card, you have to be 60 days late for them to do that. On your business credit card, you miss it by a day, your interest rate's going up. So I really encourage business owners who use business credit cards to set up auto pay for the minimum payment because as long as you make that minimum payment on time, you're fine. Now, of course, the ideal is to go in and pay off the balance in full each month. But hey, at least you know that if you get busy or a job turns into a big disaster and you forget to make that payment or, you know, a client, whatever, goes off the rails and you don't have the money to pay it off, you know, in full this month, at least you know that minimum's being paid and your interest rate is going to be okay. So that's the one caution I would say with business credit cards that you have to be especially vigilant about. So if people do get busy and they don't have auto pay, do you suggest them calling the credit card company and telling them like what happened and should they try to negotiate or do you, is it just, it is what it is? Like, don't should, try. Yeah, I think you should always try to negotiate. If it's a first time occurrence, sometimes they will work with you, especially if you have large charge volume, they love to see your, you as a business owner charging a lot. And that's why they make these cards so lucrative in terms of miles and points and cash back and everything, because business owners tend to spend a lot more than consumers mm -hmm. do on their cards. So they want you as a customer. So I would not be afraid to do that. But even proactively, if you haven't done it already, I would go in with all your credit cards, consumer or business, and set up alerts. You, know, you can set up alerts so it texts or emails you when a payment is due. It texts or emails you when um, a large a purchase above a certain amount is made. Um, if you give cards to employees, please, please, please go ahead and set up the user controls that they have. A limit. Uh, a yes, limit. a limit because you are on the hook. It's it, Your employee could go off on a vacation and not come back to work and put it on the business credit card. If you've authorized them to use that credit card, it's your problem, not the issuers. So you want to set up alerts for, uh, um, you want to set up limits. And, and fortunately, many of the small business credit cards have great options there where you can limit to certain types of stores, certain types of amounts, certain purchase amounts, et cetera, and then alert you to those purchases. Yeah. It's, and again, like I, like I'll coach people and they're like, how do you know this? And I'm like, because this happened to me. So the big thing that we have been dealing with, and I would love to know your thoughts on this, is we have a lot of clients coming to us now and they're like, can you just run Facebook ads and Instagram ads for us? And I'm like, well, it's not that easy. And <laughs> we don't really do that. And your digital assets are a mess. So no, I'm not going to take your money and do anything because you're not driving the consumer to a conversion spot that's going to make them want to buy from you. So, you know, there's lots of education there. But what I will say is, and again, because it's happened to me early on, with, with any type of online advertising that we're doing, we specifically have a card for Facebook and Instagram. We have a Google card. And, you know, if you run Google AdWords, if you run, I don't know, we've just found that, and then all of our bills are set up on another card, which that card's not used for anything but auto pay. 
because it has happened before where I didn't know a card was stolen or turned off. I didn't know that I had to sign back up for auto pay because Xfinity one day our Wi-Fi just quits working and I call in and they're like, oh, you haven't paid your bill. I'm like, my bill's on auto. <laughs> How did I yeah. not pay my bill? <laughs> oh. And they're like, oh, well, we sent you a letter in the mail telling you blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't open my mail ever. <laughs> like, I don't deal with paper. That's why I'm signed up for paperless this and paperless that. Plus I travel, like I'm busy. And so, you know, it took a little bit of time but you don't find out something's wrong until like something major happens, like your Wi-Fi getting turned off. And so do you think that's a best practices to not use one card for everything and to split it up? I mean, our banker suggested we did that years ago and it has helped with fraud. And then we had a client get their Facebook account hacked and their credit card through Facebook got hacked. And then they had all kinds of other things hooked up to that business credit card. So what are your thoughts on like navigating all of that? I love the idea of splitting those up. So actually, Angela, I think it's a great tip. I may, I may have to share your tip with other people. <laughs> um, but I, I think, I definitely think you should have two different cards. And I would say keeping those cards open and active is really important because you just never know what's going to happen. You never know what, like you said, it could be fraud. It could be um, the issuer decides that they're going to cut the credit limits on us portion of the portfolio and and you're the one who gets that cut. Uh, I do love the fact that many of these issuers now have um, the ability to lock your card. And uh, I had this happen to me. My purse was stolen recently. And so I locked my credit cards. Yeah, uh, totally my fault. But anyway, I I locked the cards. And then what, what happens is any auto pay, any any recurring charges will still go through. It's just new purchases. If they try to go to a store or buy something online, those will be declined. And so there is some flexibility there that you didn't used to have. You used to have to shut it down. Then you have to get a new card number and tell all your all the companies that are on auto pay what the new card number is. It's much better than it used to be. But I also want to point out that if there are times where you need to carry a balance. It could be a seasonal issue. It could be, again, a client that goes off the rails and is disputing their credit card purchases to you and you're trying to straighten that out. Then if you, if you have any kind of a balance from month to month, then any new purchases incur interest immediately. So if you're carrying a balance, you don't really have a grace period. Everything you charge is incurring interest immediately. So having a separate card that you could use four times when you need a little more cash flow or you need to make a major major purchase and pay for it over a few months is a great option as well. So I think the strategy that you're talking about is is very smart and uh, and very useful. The only thing I would say is just make sure that as you get more cards, you keep on top of due dates, right? And balances. Right. So you so you see the full picture. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that like helped me because it does seem like a lot, but you know, in addition to the security piece, it's like, okay, our business Amex gets this, our business Southwest gets this. So I'm very strategic when it comes to that, but all of our stuff flows into our QuickBooks and which makes it easier um, to catch fraud. And that's actually how an accountant that I worked with caught fraud because you set up these rules And like, we don't typically shop at Walmart. We don't typically, I mean, there's places we just don't typically go. And so if 
the system doesn't recognize it, like it uncategorizes it, you know, so I've learned the hard way to go in once a month and at least look at it because that's how fraud occurs to small business owners, like when we're not paying attention. Um, it, it's just crazy. So tell us about your latest book. Like, what is that about? Is it a really easy read and easy to understand for small business owners? And like, what is the top actionable, actionable like takeaway from your newest book? Sure. I hope it's easy to read. On my <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes it's like these people yeah. like use like huge words. I'm like, wait, what does that mean? I'm like, let me time out. Let me Google that. You know, because if you're not in the banking credit world, um, just like when people are, we're not in healthcare and I use these acronyms and people are like, wait, what's EMR? What is, you know, what is this? And it's like, I don't mean to talk in terms like that. Um, you know, they say when you write a book, write it on a fourth grade level, at least that's what I was told. Um, but I don't know how digestible and easy sometimes like when I'm, I, I'm listening to business books and I'm trying to learn from it, but I'm having to like pause audible to like, you know, go Google the words to find out like, well, what does this really mean? Because if I don't understand it, it could screw me later on. Again, I've figured that out the hard way too. So <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And I did write it with a uh, small business attorney, Garrett Sutton. Garrett's on Robert Kiyosaki's okay. Rich Dad team and a great, great guy. And he deals with small business owners, you know, all over the world actually. So our goal was when we wrote it and I wrote it before I came to NAV, our goal was, it was the very, so I wrote way back in the day, I wrote the very first mass market book that talked about FICO scores. So this is at the beginning of my career. And this was really the very first book, mass market book that talked about business credit and business credit scores. And it came out of a need that Garrett found with his small business clients where some of them were paying a lot of money uh, to these business credit building programs that made it sound like, hey, if you pay us enough, we can help you get a million dollars in business credit lines with no personal guarantee. And he had one client, I'll just tell you real quick, who yeah. spent $80,000 buying what's called a shelf corporation. That's a corporation that's been around for a long time and sort of put on the shelf with the promise of like a million dollars in available credit. Well, the guy basically lost 80 grand on this, oh my gosh. on this deal. So we wrote that book and just coincidentally, or maybe divinely inspired, I don't know, <laughs> I interviewed the CEO of NAV and they were pretty young when I first talked to them. They were a new business. And I loved what they were trying to do, which is basically, you know, help business owners navigate this in an easy way with a free online platform. And I kept up with them. And then when the book came out, I thought, oh, they might want to buy a few books. And instead I ended up working there full time. So <laughs> just one of those things that worked out. Yeah. So Finance Your Own Business is my latest book and it talks about business financing and, and small business credit as well. Okay. So again, like, can you give us some examples of if I was going to go to the bank and um, ask for a loan, if I was starting a business, like, are there some things that you should say and some things that you should not say? Well, the key <laughs> things that, yeah, the key things that lenders are going to want to look at is your time in business, mm -hmm. your 
credit, and sometimes that's business, sometimes it's personal. With a bank, it's usually a combination of both. And then they're going to want to look at your revenues. And for that, banks often ask for a couple of years of tax returns. Online lenders, what they do usually do is similar to your QuickBooks account, where they link to your bank account, and it's read-only. They, they can't take money out, but they're doing it to evaluate your revenues. And then based on that, then that tells them how much they can lend you for short-term lending. So there is, you have the bank on one end, you have your personal credit on the other, and in between there's a lot of different options in there. And there's many online lenders that offer short-term um, financing, whether it's a line of credit, which is sort of like a credit card or a, 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 a term loan, which is where you borrow X amount of money and you pay it back over, say, 12 or 24 or 36 months, et cetera. Uh, there's just a variety of different options in there, and it kind of depends on where you are in your business. And so that's why, that's one reason why at NAV, we're trying to build that technology on the back end for you. So you can see, oh, here's the things that I am eligible for based on my current qualifications. So now I know, and I don't have to go to each lender individually and try to figure out whether I fit in their bucket. Okay. That's, it's, it's just, it's also interesting. There, I'm, I'm over here secretly laughing. I'll tell you why I asked you that. So my brother, who is a newer business owner in, in business for two years, and you know, I'm like in the background of like saying, no, don't do that. I made that mistake. Like, don't do that. And so he is setting up a courtroom, a mock courtroom where you can, if, if you're a defense attorney, He'll train you on how to become a better attorney and mm. calm down in front of judges to, you know, help their clients. And no one's really focusing on that. And so he's been renting a place, which much like venue rental, and I've, I've helped hundreds of people in consulting venues and small boutique hotels and things like that. And so I, I'm actually the one who helps them do projections for new venues. And so, um, it's, it's just funny because I've done the numbers for so many people who literally have dirt and we have sold the idea to banks to get them a loan to build these beautiful venues because we have, we put up a website, we do the SEO for a year, we have amazing packages together, we have a projection of revenue, we know what hopefully about it's going to cost to run the venue depending on where it is. And then we go to bridal shows and then these expos and you can pre-sell the venue if you have a really good architect that does these 3D images because technology is so amazing now. Mm. And so when people get us on the early end of a project, we can really, I mean, get revenue coming in and the bank's like, holy cow. And then they'll just keep giving you more money. And so my, when my brother came to me and he's like, you know, I'm really tired of wasting all this money. Like I just, maybe I should buy a building. And so I'm like, okay, well, we have strategic partners who partner. I'm in this organization, EO. And so I sat down with um, the lenders who help a lot of entrepreneurs in Nashville. And I started talking with them. And, but I'm the one with the established business because I've been in it for almost 20 years. And they're like, well, tell us a little bit about like you. And I'm like, you know, I'll help my brother, you know, whatever you know, if I need to co-sign or whatever I need to do. I mean, he's good for it. I know where he lives. <laughs> and so um, I said the wrong thing, apparently, because they're like, so you own multiple businesses. Like, let's talk about your revenue. I'm like, well, I don't really want to do the business that I've had for 20 years. Like, I'm really slowing down on that. 
and I'm focusing more of my time on like speaking and education and on the productivity business. I'm co-founder of a women's co-working space that just opened like a month ago. And so their faces, and I didn't know I'd said the wrong thing. Like I was just being honest. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. one of the guys that, you know, he knows me and he's like, Ange, you shouldn't say that. Like you want to, the bank's not going to give your brother money if you're going to co-sign for something that, or you're going to be p- part of this when you're telling them that millions of dollars of your revenue that you've been bringing in for X amount of years, that you don't want to do that anymore. And I'm like, oh no, 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 no. That's not what I meant. It is what I meant, but I have the same amount, not if more revenue coming from other areas. So my time will be divided differently. So it's like, then that spiraled us into this whole, like, well, how do you know that the co-working space is going to make that much? And how do you know you're speaking? And how do you know? And I'm like, well, it's been doing okay. And like, yeah, I guess they're projections. And if I have to go back to doing events to maintain a lifestyle, like I always had that option, right? But we left there (laughs) and the guy was like, you should have never have said that. Like, don't tell the bank that, that you're like thinking about moving. But like, is that bad to just like be honest? Like I would never not pay the loan back, you know, I just, yeah, banks are so conservative, right? So So you do have to make a really good case. And yeah, you don't give them any reason to doubt it. They have to Mm -hmm. go back and sell this, you know, on on their end. Uh, But one, one thing you mentioned that I think is worth talking about, and that is having, you know, a business mentor, or a business coach and someone, and it could be your accounting professional, but you are going to need, you are going to need to figure out how much do I ask for, right? And Mm -hmm. how do I, how am I going to use it? And am I going to use it in a way that makes money? And will the cost of the lent, the financing that I'm thinking about, will that, will that just put me in a more precarious position or will I really leverage it to make money? Because you can use financing to make more money. Like you said in the beginning, other people's money. You Mm -hmm. can do that. But having um, that mentor to help you think through those um, issues uh, is is invaluable. And I think especially if you have an accounting professional who really has experience with small business owners and can help you with this, that can be really, really helpful. And I'll also say too, just in my experience in working with the same accounting company for a very long time, and then they, you know, continue to grow and grow and grow and grow and thrive, which is great. And then you become a smaller fish in a pond sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so for me to do an annual audit of like how everything is going, I think is very important. Um, Again, you don't know what you don't know until things pop up. And I think it was maybe a year or two ago, like I got a letter in the mail from the IRS that was like, uh, your extension has been filed. I'm like, what? I've never filed an extension. Like I turn my stuff in on time. And, um, you know, I am a little like all over the place, but when it comes to that, like I thought I was paying someone to keep up with these things for me. And then I go back and look and it's like, oh, well, your account hasn't been reconciled in years the appropriate way. Um, and I'm like, is this my fault? Like, and I'm like, yeah, I guess it is my fault because I didn't pay attention close enough because mm-hmm. I was just trusting that this company was doing it for me because I'd mm-hmm. been with them for so long and they didn't mean to make an error. Everybody makes mistakes. And so I would just say like, as a business owner, who's crazy busy and you think you can just pay somebody to do everything for you, I would still 
like it's really hard for me to trust people now, especially with money, given that, you know, so many crazy things have happened. And it's like, we work so hard to please our clients and running the business and, and the money, like it is, it's not the fun part at all, at all. Um, it's, it's just, it's, it gives me a headache, frankly, <laughs> but you got to do it. You yeah. got to, you got to yes. be responsible for your own, your own business. And you're, I'm like, yeah, there's always money there. Um, so going back to a question that I had is that, so I didn't realize like all these fees that we're adding up by allowing our clients to pay with Apple pay and credit cards. And, you know, there's all these different fees and so years ago when Apple Pay first came out and we started, we're like, yes, you can pay with this. You can pay with Venmo. You can pay PayPal. I mean, we have money coming from so many different areas. And then at the end of the year, my account added up. He was like, you could have paid someone a full-time salary for like all the credit card fees that you are racking up. And so, you know, some people say, yeah, we just pass that on or we do a processing or what are your thoughts on that? Like, is it just, it is what it is. If you own a business and you accept credit cards, you're just going to have to build that into your annual fee bank. I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it is interesting because as a business owner, you're on both sides of it, right? Like you, you're loving the benefits that you get from your credit card, <laughs> but yep. those come from the swipe fees or the interchange fees, mm -hmm. you know, the fees that, that go to the credit card issuer and the, and the brands when you swipe that credit card. And on the other side, you know, you also don't want to overpay on those fees, but you don't really have a choice. Like if you accept that brand of card, you can't say to them, oh, well, I'll accept your, your, I don't know, Chase Inc., but I won't accept your Chase Sapphire Reserve because that one's a premium card and the, you know, the fee is higher. Oh. So you, you have to be very careful because there are um, restrictions on what you can do as far as passing on, you know, the cost to your client. You can always do a discount for cash. So, I mean, so that's, that's always a possibility. Mm -hmm. You will never run into any problems if you offer a discount for cash. But I think the, the research has pretty much shown that people do, do to, tend to spend more when they use their credit cards. It's, mm -hmm. it's human nature, right? It doesn't feel like we've really spent that money. And I think especially for big events like weddings or other, you know, events where you want to, you know, you want the, the memory of a lifetime, you're probably going to pull out, like, you're probably going to feel more comfortable spending more if you have access to credit, which, yeah, good or bad, it's just yeah. the reality. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule that, I wouldn't automatically say, I'm not going to accept credit cards because then things will tank for your business. They're going to go to someone, you know, who will. Yeah. Um, but I think what you're talking about is being very conscious of, you know, what those costs are. And then if you wanted to build in a, an equivalent discount for cash, you could certainly do that very safely. And that would be a possibility. But do be very careful about surcharging um, because there are some restrictions on when and how you can surcharge depending on the type of whether you're using a credit card or a debit card. So I know some people that um, offer services necessarily, not like a product, especially in the events world. I haven't had this happen to me, but we've had, I've had people that I coach where a client will pay with a credit card and then they weren't happy with the service. So then they call the credit card and do a chargeback. Yep. So what are your thoughts on how do business owners, because there's two sides to every story. So yeah. how do you suggest business owners handle those types of situations? 
Um, well, first of all, I'm not an expert on credit card, disputing credit card chargebacks, but there are people who actually, that's what they focus on is helping gotcha. merchants successfully dispute credit card chargebacks. But a lot of it will go to your contract, to having a very clear contract so that you can um, provide that documentation to fight the chargeback. And if it's a good amount of money, if you're a photographer, for example, and that could be your entire day, day's worth of work, then that may be something where you have to fight it because otherwise you're writing off a whole day of work plus whatever other costs were involved, you know, travel and other things. So, um, so having a really solid contract is going to be uh, essential if you want to, if you need to, or want to fight a chargeback, but they are a reality of life. And, you know, you kind of have to sometimes just be willing to go toe to toe if someone is being unreasonable in their attempts to, to get their money back. Yeah. And sometimes like we've had people say that, well, we're just going to write it off as charity or something. <laughs> you know, I don't know. We'll get mm-hmm. creative sometimes, but yeah. you know, I, I guess it is case by, case, by case. Um, well, this has been super helpful and super insightful. And so for everyone to connect with you, or would you say going to NAV, it's N as in Nancy, A, V as in Victor.com slash podcast, you can download a free build business credit checklist. I'm going to go get that. (laughs) And then um, you can use, do we have a promo code that we should put in the show notes? Yes. To get a free month of the NAV business boost, which gives you access to this full business and credit report. Yes. So many of our customers use our free account and that's perfectly fine. We do have a higher level of um, subscription, which is our paid accounts that offer additional benefits. And if you want to try out the paid program, uh, the promo code you'll see on that page, nav.com slash podcast is just podcast. And that will get you a free month to try out that. And you can upgrade and downgrade at any time as well. So if you check it out and you say, that's not what I need right now, you can downgrade back to a free account and keep your account. But I'm going to emphasize again, Angela, just like you said, staying on top of your numbers is so important. Staying on top of your business credit and personal credit is really important because business fraud and theft, even if you're not going to borrow money, it's a growing problem. And you want to, if some someone is using your business name to get credit, you want to find out about it as soon as possible so you can uh, stop them from doing further damage. Yeah. And it's an, it's a nightmare. And the, I've, I've figured out like, you know, it's, people like, oh my God, that's so cool to like be in People Magazine and like be all over the internet. And I'm like, well, that comes with some cons Um, because it's just, I feel like as a business owner, especially because it's under my name, it's just, it makes you a target. It's like the more you're out there and the more information you put out there, you're just a target for hackers to like get to get, get to you and your money. And I still like, I'll never understand why credit card companies will not prosecute these crazy people. And it's like, they order all the, I was in Cabo and recently, and I, I needed to do something for a client. So I needed to log into one bank and move money to make this last minute purchases. Cause so many of our clients are so last minute it's like they roll out of bed, bump their head, and they come up with 10 grand and they like, <laughs> like I'm serious. I'm like, where did this money come from? This wasn't in the budget, but whatever. I don't ask questions anymore. So, and immediately I start getting all the text messages from my chase card that Victoria's Secret, Sprint, Nike. I'm like, shit. 
So I get a call and they're like, I think your card's been compromised. I'm like, yes, it has. And, but they, these people order all this stuff. It goes to an address. I'm like, can you just go to the address or like stop it? If it was ordered on Amazon, I'll never understand that world, but it's like, they don't, I'm like, I want to press charges. Like this is a lot of money and this is causing me, it's a huge pain and inconvenience as a business owner. And they're like, but you're not responsible for the charges. Like, why are you so upset? You, You know, you're covered. I'm like, I just, people need to be held accountable for their actions. And this is why fraud is so bad is because who's holding them accountable. So that's just one thing that it's like, yeah, I'm glad I don't have to pay for it, but that's really not why I'm mad. I mean, I'm mad because now I've got to, you know, if you have a bunch of stuff on auto, auto pay, you got to go back and redo all that stuff. Yes. It's a huge inconvenience, isn't it? Yes. And I had, I was also a victim of credit card fraud. Someone opened a a Macy's account of my name. And, and when I talked to them about it, because I had credit monitoring, so I got alerted right away. They're like, yeah, the, the shoes are on the truck uh, right now being delivered. And I'm like, first of all, that's not my problem. So you deal with that. Right. And, and they wanted to keep me on the phone. I'm like, well, this isn't my problem. It's not my account. But you would think, right, that they could call 911. Yeah. <laughs> have I, someone I mean, go, to, go to the delivery address and watch them take those shoes and take a picture or something. But uh, yeah, I, don't I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> and like, my, and my brother owns a PI company, a private investigations company. And so they've had consumers who own businesses where the police would not take it into their own hands. And they've hired his company to you know, I mean, people pay their personal money to go and follow these hackers. And the last case that they worked, they followed them to this huge warehouse, huge warehouse. And it's just like, it, it, it was a real business where it was just fraud and all this stuff. And then they would resell it on like eBay. And I don't know, it's, it's a whole nother industry that is crazy. Um, but I don't want to be a victim of it. It just, it seems to happen so frequently. Um, but anyway, thank you so much for your time today. This was so helpful. (laughs) Now I want to interview you. You've sounds like you've got some amazing stories. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Crazy. And so your book finance your own business is it's on audible and Amazon. That's correct. Okay. So guys, if you want to go and get Jerry's book, I will definitely be downloading it from Audible because I'm an Audible girl. Um, And then be sure to go to nav.com slash podcast. We'll put it in the show notes and we will also put that code in there. And I know this doesn't sound fun, but you all just be proactive and don't be a victim like I have been so many times just from experience. Just save yourself the stress and the um the the sleepless nights where you have to worry about these things so just do a little bit, bit of proactiveness and be sure to tune in next week so you don't miss juicy details about how to run your business better and thanks for listening to business unveiled everybody have a great day bye now that you have all the tools you need to conquer the world in gsd Just share this with your friends and your fellow GSD leaders and be sure you're a subscriber so you never miss the juicy details of Business Unveiled and you can ask Siri to listen to the latest episode, but you got to be a subscriber. Before I go... 
I have a huge favor to ask, and it would mean the world to me. While you're listening, snap a quick screenshot, post it to your Instagram story, tag me at gsdleader underscore, and share with me your top takeaway from this episode and how it relates to you. Until next time, remember, stay productive and profitable. You've been listening to Business Unveiled with Angela Profit. Join us next time as we share our experiences to help you be more productive and profitable in your creative business. For more great resources, visit AngelaProfit.com.